Welcome to Backstage with Becca Beat with special guest Delaney Westfall. Hi! How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Very good. Very good. Sorry that the email chain has just been like so just weeks between. I'm so sorry. No, it's all good. Life happens. I mean, I totally get it. Totally. So where are you? Tell me about you. Well, right now I'm in Dallas, Texas. I'm normally in Los Angeles, California. Amazing. But I came home during this time. So I've been home for about a year-ish now. Awesome. How's it been? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's been, it's been cool getting to spend time with family, but I'm definitely miss like being by myself and like having that like independence, that extra independence. not living under my parents roof but it's been it's been nice yes my dad cooks better than I do so oh my gosh free food is always it always tastes better when it's free too yeah when when it's getting brought to you like in bed and it's like more like here you go and I'm like thanks (laughs) wait I love Texas actually I my sister lived in Houston for a long time and so and she just had a baby. So it was like in like one year, I probably went to Houston maybe four oh. times. <laughs> but it was like, we had Christmas there one year too, I think. And and then when she had him, she was like a week overdue. So I had gotten there a week early. So then I spent like two and a half weeks there just with, you know, before and after a baby. And oh. just, they just moved back to Utah. But kind of like right after they moved back, my boyfriend's sister moved to Austin. And so then we've been to Austin now like twice in the past year. So love Austin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and my brother, my brother, that's silly that I didn't say this first. My brother plays for SMU. He plays football for SMU. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. I it's love like, that. It's like 10, 15 minutes away from me. So yeah, that's cool. So what do you do in LA? Um, I was, I had a job at AfterBuzz TV in social media for a couple of years. And oh. then I went to uh, work at Pantages and I'm trying oh. to like work my way up there and amazing get back into social media. Gosh, I love that theater. It's so oh. beautiful. It's so yeah. beautiful. That's so, nice. I mean, speaking of theater, <laughs> to get on the, the like, kind of sure. theater topic, have you always known that you wanted to be a theater performer? I think so. I think that like, I just, I think my mom like jokes that when I was probably three, I was running up and down the church aisle singing or probably what seemed to me as singing. I don't know, probably just babbling and being annoying, but I, so I kind of was singing from the get go. And it's crazy because my parents don't sing really. Like my grandma liked to yodel like that's as much really as I can get from my lineage I think I have a gr- like a great uncle on my mom's side that was a singer I don't know but it definitely wasn't straight for my parents not that they're bad singers they just are not they don't do it professionally they don't do it ever so um my dad can my dad can carry a tune and sometimes he gives me a little vibrato and I'm like dad but for the most part we don't know where my singing voice came from but I uh they kind of knew early on. And my mom, I had three siblings above me that my mom tried so hard to get them into singing and dancing and whatever. And it didn't really stick for any of them. But so then when I came around, she was like, wait, 
maybe we have something here. <laughs> and it ended up going okay for me, I guess. And and I've been performing really ever since. I'm, I think I started voice lessons when I was like six and dance when I was six and then did my first show when I was eight. And I don't think there's been a year except maybe last year. Oh my gosh, that I haven't done a show. Weird. Oh my gosh, that's weird. I mean, last year was so tough for everyone. How did you get, like, how did you get through this past year and stay positive this past year? Because it's been hard. Yeah, it's been hard for everybody. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's been difficult for you too. And it's, it's been this weird, I know we keep saying this is so cliche. I know that it's been terrible on so many levels, but it has been a blessing in a lot of ways too. I kind of right away, Charlie was in a show at the time. He's in Tina, which is coming back in October and we're very excited. Yeah. Um, so that closed and a couple of days later, we're like, what are we going to do? We don't want to be here. And so we, um, we were texting with his best friend that lives up here and we were like, we kind of wish we could just come, come up there, but we didn't have a car. We could have taken a bus, but things were weird. So he was like, we'll come get you. And so he and his wife drove down, picked us up and we came up and it's a funny story because we got to their house. We were going to have dinner and then we were going to go to Charlie's family's house and Charlie kind of felt weird. He was like, I don't really feel very good. And so he was like, you know what, let's, let's just spend the night and I'll see if I feel better in the morning. Cause if I do have something or if I pick something up, I would hate to bring it to my family. And the next morning he woke up and he was like down for the count. And so then we were like, we're going to stay here. We're just going to stay here. I started feeling sick. And then a couple days later, his best friend and his wife started feeling sick. And we were in, in the worst of it when Sarah, his wife was like, let's, let's just go get tested. And so we went and got tested. We were, um, it was, it was one of the testing sites that at the beginning, it was like the first day and nobody really knew about it. So we got there right in the morning and we got tested. And apparently by the end of the day, it was like lines around the blocks and it was like overrun. And so they had to shut it down. But we were very lucky. We got tested and we did end up, you know, we got it. And we, I think it was like in the county that we were in, we were four of the first like nine people to test positive, which made us feel like very famous. And very you won an award. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we had pretty mild cases. And so the beginning of this whole shutdown was exciting because we literally had COVID. Yeah. And uh, it was weird because even at their house in Troy near Albany, we, I was still submitting for things. I was still like doing self tapes and auditions and stuff. And, and then things started getting canceled or auditions started getting canceled because the show wasn't going to happen. And I was like, what is happening? So then, you know, cut to now, like we, we've made the best of it. We've been living at his family's house in Albany and we go down to the city every now and then we've had a subletter in our apartment for the most part. So we still have our apartment, which I'm very happy about. And we've done, you know, I've done a, a few things for like Broadway plus and for, yeah. we've done some coachings for different, you know, groups of like theater groups or, or high schools or whatnot. And we do voice lessons and we're making the most of it. And we've done some like some little TV things here and there, but for the most part, we've just been enjoying time with his family and we've been able to go home to Utah to spend time with my family and we've made the most of it. Long story short, we yes. have just tried to tried to make the most of it. And I think we've succeeded for the most part. And I want to get into the Broadway Plus stuff at the end. Sure. But I would 
I was going to say first, before I resume the interview, that I also had COVID, so team COVID. <laughs> had it in January, like the first week into the new year. Oh, no. So it was like, oh, yay. And I refused to get it on New Year's, on new Year's Eve. I was like, not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. And my whole family had already tested positive. And I was like, Gosh. I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. If I just like talk myself out of getting it, then like, sure. it'll be great. <laughs> It's, it's not gonna happen and I then like two days later I was like yeah <laughs> searing a headache it was awful yeah how were your symptoms they were pretty mild I have asthma and I uh didn't have any breathing problems <laughs> my parents had more like uh my dad has afib so he had some he had some like afib spikes and sure. um my mom had to get an antibody infusion. So she's actually, she actually is waiting to get the vaccine because she got like a whole antibody infusion. And they're like, you have a lot of antibodies right now. So- You're not gonna mess with that for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, and then I was like, I'm gonna wait like three, four months because I've heard that the first dose is more intense for people who have had COVID. Mm-hmm. So I got it like, two weeks ago and I was like yeah that's true it knocked me out for like five days oh my gosh jeez yeah but it was fine yeah you know what we keep telling ourselves because we like in the Franklin household we've all had it in like you know we've staggered like first his younger brother got it and then his mom got it and then I got it and then Charlie got it the the shot I mean the vaccine and it like it wasn't terrible symptoms but we just had to keep reminding ourselves that this is fake sick. This is, yeah. this is pretend sick. It's not real sick. That's it's what I was like. Vaccine sick. Yes. Helps you get through it. I mean, the arm thing, I got Moderna. I don't know which one you got. The arm thing was terrible because I couldn't lift my arm. <laughs> I was like, I was this like, is a tetanus shot? What is happening? And it was like, well, if I put, if I use my own arm to do it, it'll be fine. And I was like, why is it still so painful? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I normally get shots in my good arm so that I'm using it. And like, I, I got it in my right arm and I was like, well, this isn't working how I thought. <laughs> I was telling, cause like one of Charlie's sisters, Julia, um, when I got my first shot, I was like, oh, you just got to keep moving around. You'll be fine. And I was fine. But then the second shot, I was like taking my own advice. I was like, oh, I got to keep, oh, I can't move. <laughs> yeah. I went and I like lifted weights. I was like, maybe this will be better if I like do weightlifting. And I was like, nope. <laughs> ouch, ouch. No, no, no. Yeah, it's right. No, no, no. But now we're good. Now we're yes. hopefully good for at least a year and we'll see what happens. Yes. So you're from Utah. Yes. How did you, how growing up in Utah, I feel like Utah actually has a pretty good art scene. Yeah. I don't know. Right. There's a lot of, I was going to say a lot of the like dancers from Dancing with the Stars come from oh, yeah. Utah. Yeah. So like they have good dance training, especially obviously. How did you get involved in theater and in entertainment in Utah and become such a well-rounded performer? Um, so I did community theater down in Southern Utah, starting at eight. And then I just kind of kept doing shows. And I, my favorite answer to this may be like totally incorrect, but there's something around the culture of like, Mormonism, but I think also just like religion in general, where 
there's a high expectation for you to nurture and establish your talents. It's like you, God gave you talents and you are going to like as close to perfect them as possible because that's what you're sent here to do, you know, be the best you. And so I, that was instilled in me, you know, at a really young age. And we were involved in so many things and there were just high expectations. And my mom and dad were professional ballroom dancers. And so like I was in dance at a young age and, and I danced all, I mean, until I, I started playing softball and that was like a huge downfall in my life. It was wonderful. And I played from like age eight until, you know, junior high school. And it just, it kind of stunted, I think my, my technique and my dance training, especially because in high school, I was like, no, I'm not going to dance anymore. Cause it's only cool to play sports because all my friends played sports and like, you know, it's like, yeah, you want to be a part of that group. Yes. And so I kind of gave up. I just stopped dancing in high school for a while. And when I got to college, <laughs> boy, oh boy. I think after my first ballet, truly after my first ballet class, I was so sore that I had to either use crutches or be in a wheelchair because my calves were so tight that I could not walk. It was so embarrassing, but it was a wake up call that like you have to maintain that skill or your body atrophies and like your muscles don't remember how to work that way. But um, I'm so bad at tangents, I'm so sorry. So I did theater down in Southern Utah. I did a lot of community theaters, like I, I did a production of Annie, I did Wizard of Oz, I did Cheaper by the Dozen, which was a musical version. It was so bad. What? So bad. I did a show called So This Is Dixie, which in hindsight, like, it's still called Dixie down there, which is so bad. It's like yeah. very, very bad and they need to change it. And there is talk and there is like works in like, yeah, or changing the name. Anyway, so I did like a show, it was like a, like a locally written, another terrible show. If anyone watching this wrote any of those musical adaptations, I'm very sorry. Um, then I did some high school productions, which were really just, it was a small high school and it needed a lot of help, that, that poor theater program. Then I went to college and I went to BYU, which again, like it has a surprisingly good musical theater program and dance program and acting program. Um, I didn't really know, I, I still kick myself to this day because I didn't really know about other programs. My parents had gone to BYU and I was like, oh, that's where I'm gonna go. And oh, great, they have a musical theater program. That's so fun for me because that's what I like to do and that's what I'm gonna do. So I didn't even audition anywhere else. I did, I, and I would love to know if things would have been different, but whatever, you know, it is what it is. And I went to BYU, I didn't get into the musical theater program my first year which was a real, just like, it, it was really discouraging, but I was able to take some of the classes that the like program offered to people that hadn't gotten in that we're gonna try again next year. And it is funny because I'm, I'm, I don't, I can't tell you how many BYU alum have like been on Broadway or have like done TV stuff or whatever. It's not a large number, you know, but I am one of few, I would say. And so it's very funny looking back that like, I didn't get in my first year when it just goes to show that, you know, I think that really lit a fire under my butt. And I was like, okay, let's do this. I can do this. So I, you know, 
again, pressure is high and, and you, you're expected to be great. And so I worked really hard and there's this performing group called the Young Ambassadors, which is like a, they call the singing entertainer. I'm, have you heard of them? I'd be very surprised. No, 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 I'm interested. It's, it's like a, like in high school, I would go to Young Ambassador camp and it was at BYU and it was like, you go and you're there for a week and you audition the first day to see what show you're gonna be in. It's just like what number you're gonna be in. And then there's also another audition to see if your solo gets to be showcased in the end of week performance. You know, it's like theater camp. Yes. And it's really, they call it um, young, young ambassador singing entertainers. And so it's like, you get to, hopefully one day you'll be able to be a young ambassador. So then when I went to BYU, I auditioned to be in the group. And they, they essentially just like do a review show and they travel around either the country or they usually do a, a tour somewhere out of the country. Um, and then they also do like a, kind of like a devotional, like religious um, show as well for different churches. But I, I auditioned my first year, I did not get in. I auditioned my second year, I did not get in. And then I auditioned my third year and I finally <laughs> got in. <laughs> and it was really fun. We went to South Africa and it was Ooh. the coolest experience. One of the coolest experiences of my life today. Amazing. Um, so yeah, in terms of growing up in Utah, like there are definitely opportunities to cultivate what you will need to be a professional performer. And I, especially, you know, in, in college, I was go, 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 go. And I think it started from like I said, like not getting in the program and being like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove everybody wrong and I'm yep. gonna be the best possible. And so I did, I think a show every semester at, there was this regional regional theater that paid, it was like like wow. anywhere between 25 and $60 a show. And you usually were double cast. So you did, you know, three or four, show, four shows a week, whatever. And um, so I did, um, what was the first one I did? Oh, I did Drowsy Chaperone. To date, my favorite musical of all time. Um, I was in the ensemble and it was it was so funny because I remember calling my mom and being like, mom, got it. And she like drove up and we like celebrated, which she was like four hours away. But to be in the ensemble of this paying theater, it was like my dream came true. It really was. And it was like the start of, of really feeling like I could do this and I could, I could make a living doing it, even though I was only getting paid $35 a show. But so I did um, Josh Chaperone there. And then there's kind of a sister theater that is closer to my college that I actually went to. And I did Hairspray there and I did Xanadu there. And then I, at the other theater, I did My Fair Lady and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. So I was just like busy, busy, busy. And it was the first time that I was, you know, after, after Josh Chaperone, I started getting roles. You know, I played Amber in Hairspray and then I played, um, Eliza and My Fair Lady and Kira and Xanadu oh and Christine and Dirty Rotten Scandals. So I was like, it, it was, it was like, it was quick. It was, I mean, it was quick. It's, you know, it's regional theater in Utah, which regional community theater in Utah, but it, it did feel like it, it did start giving me the confidence. And I am sure that that is what prepared me while I appreciate my schooling and I'm grateful for what, you know, BYU did for me and my career doing those shows and because that's the, the best practice you can possibly get is doing a community theater show because it's 
it's the same thing. And I say that when people are like, what's it like to be on Broadway? Or, or like, how's it different than other, other theaters or whatever? And I'm like, it's not different. It's, yeah. it's essentially the same thing. You've got to show up. You've got to be your best. You put on the costume and you go out and you have to perform. You have, you deserve to, they deserve the best performance, just like a Broadway house deserves the best performance. Anyway, so I think the uh, experience I gained from doing those shows when I was in college and really doing all the shows growing up is what prepared me for, you know, New York and Broadway and what I've done since college, so. What was the first show you saw when you realized that like theater was a job? Huh. Gosh. Like a job, like a hard job or like a job I could see myself doing or like- A job you could like see yourself doing, like where you were like, oh, like this is actually like people do this professionally. Yeah. I, well, my first trip to New York was when I think I was 10 and I saw Beauty and the Beast and I saw Chorus Line, maybe. Ooh. And I, at that time it was just like, you know, I, I wasn't, I don't think I was implementing myself into that ensemble by any means. I was just agog, you know, I was just like so amazed. But I, I, I made, you know, like two or three more trips to New York before I moved out. And maybe, I think when I was like, I could do this. I don't know. I mean, I took another trip where I saw Mary Poppins and Young Frankenstein. And maybe that was it. Maybe that, because I, I think at that time I was 15 or 16. And it was it was starting to dawn on me that this, I think that was the time when it was like, in a, in a more mature sense, I was thinking, this is this is what I love doing. Yeah. This is what I want to do. And here I am seeing people doing this as a job. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably when I was like, wait, this seems unfair. This seems like cheating. They're getting paid to do the most fun thing on the planet. <laughs> You're like, that's just too good to be true. Yeah, absolutely. But then I moved to New York and realized how difficult it is. It, yes, it's it's a it's a real job. And it's like you have to like you push yourself to keep going just yeah. like get through college and through totally. those experiences in college. Like that says a lot about who you are and about how you you've succeeded over the years. You've never given up. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you did pretty good at college once you got into the program. You played Christine and Phantom, I saw. I did, I did. What was that like? I, your range is insane, by the way. <laughs> I just like, I like to say that I can do most things pretty well. <laughs> like in terms of like voice styles. I try to, I'm not the best at either you know, any voice style, but I, I do them all okay. Um, up until then, I hadn't really sung classically. I in I remember in high school, I my dad was really adamant that I studied with this, the opera singer, coach, whatever, at SUU, which is the university where I went to high school. And he's like, okay, so I took, you know, maybe once every couple of weeks, I would go to Jackie Jackson, which is an incredible name, and she would kind of teach me arias and and like wow very you know just like standard opera stuff but I didn't ever really take it seriously so then when I got to college I was only interested in belting and mixing only and so then 
obviously I had to sing classically. Like it, it's the program is very intense. And so you yeah. learn everything. But then when I auditioned for Christine, I, in like, I did not see myself as Christine so much that I auditioned for Carlotta. And I think I sang Art is Calling for Me, which is like a silly joke of an opera song that is just like so obnoxious and loud. And they called me back for Christine. And I was like, what? That's nice. But a lot of my friends had also been called back for Christine. So we were in the, the callback and we were singing and I, I, it was so weird because it, it took every, there were like four or five callbacks and each callback I felt a little more like, wait, this I, I could do this. <laughs> and it was difficult because my best friend, we were roommates at the time. We were like, and I mean, this is, this is a good story to tell because it, it goes to show how kind of brutal this whole thing is the whole, the whole business is and so we, we I mean we were prepping her to be Christine like she was going to do it and so I like helped her do her hair the day of the audition we picked out an outfit for her and we were just really we were going to get her this part and so then when it was me and her and one other friend at the end for the final callback I was like I don't know what to do right now like it's such an odd feeling and so then we we left the final callback and it was me and her and her boyfriend and we were out to lunch and I got the call that I got it. And I cried, not out of tears, not, not out of happiness, what? but because I was so sad. I did not, also I think it was more just like this confusion. Like I know I'm supposed to feel happy. And of course she was beyond thrilled for me, but it was this like, this wasn't supposed to be mine, <laughs> which it happens. I mean, stuff like that happens or, or, you know, it's the reverse often, yeah. more often than not for me in New York, it's the reverse. It's that somebody else gets the part and I have to be happy for them. And I, you have to be okay with that and become familiar with that feeling. So, um, it was great though, that, because I think even at that lunch, I got the call from the, our director and he was like, would you mind giving because my best friend was going to be the understudy. And he said, would you mind giving her the matinees? And I was like, please, oh, yes. please. And so it, it was, it was the hardest vocal show I've ever had to do for sure. Um, but it was the first time I really got to like act, you know, in a dramatic, serious way. And our phantom was incredible. And the role was one of my best friends and, it was, it was actually one of the, maybe like the second university premiere of Broadway show because they did like a, I don't know if you've seen Phantom, it's just called Phantom and it's like a- It's like a like spinoff kind of. I guess. And so they do that at like community theaters, but this was the first time that, that like a fully fledged, and it was amazing. I mean, the, I don't want to know how much money they spent on that production. A lot. We had this, like the, the boat I had to control, but it was like a, it was like a remote control boat. And so while we're going and I'm like acting and looking through the catacombs and the caves, I'm literally like, please don't drive off the end of the stage. Don't break anything. <laughs> um, no, but it was really awesome. And I mean, just to learn that part of my voice and my voice teacher was very helpful at that time. Um, I think that that's also something to remember is that when you get cast in a show, 
you could have a really good day at the audition and then you realize how difficult the score is and you gotta work and you have to figure out how to hit these notes, how to emote and hit these notes, how to move around and hit these notes, you know, like it's- Multitasking. It's a lot of work. And I, I don't know, I, it taught me so much about my voice and about myself as a performer. And it, I mean, I think it totally prepped me and got me ready for moving straight to New York and having to do this. I mean, I feel like it's one of the hardest roles, if not <laughs> the hardest role, like on Broadway, like to sing <laughs> like that. I mean, I know that a lot of people like have that like natural ability to sing like that, mm-hmm. but like, it sounds like, I mean, from your range, like you have such an insane range that like, I don't know, like, does your voice normally sit like that? Or did you like do a lot of extra work to be like, I can sing like this? Well, there's one thing to be like, I can hit this high note, but to hit that high note after singing a full song. Yeah. So I think I, I, it is pretty easy for me to hit high notes. Like I, I kind of have like a whistle tone range where I can like, you know, party trick, like hit a really high note, but th- that is something totally and totally and entirely different than singing an entire score. Yeah. It's really hard show. <laughs> So while I do, I do find myself naturally being able to sing pretty high, it still takes so much work to sustain it, you know? Yes, the stamina. Yeah. To sing like that. Would Mm -hmm. you ever, there's videos online of you playing Christine, which I watched last night and I was like, oh my gosh, like Mm -hmm. I'm always impressed when people can sing that high and hit those high notes. Would you ever consider playing Christine again on like, Broadway or regionally? Oh my gosh, yes. I've, I've been in for the Broadway production like three times and, and I've, I've, I mean, I've gotten past a couple callbacks, but they, they're so funny. I mean, I, I, and I never try to speculate and I never try to like make excuses as to why I didn't get it, but they really love to cast brunettes. I think that they just, they have a hard time looking past the color of your hair, yeah. which is, could be why I didn't get it. And it could be not even close to why I didn't get it. But Um, if I could do it regionally or, you know, if they, if they had, if they still have interest in me, I would love to do it on Broadway. Also side note, the alternate on Broadway is the most glamorous job on Broadway. I'm sure of it. I'm absolutely sure of it. You do the show twice a week. You get paid like a principal contract and you don't have to be in the building for the other days. You have to be close enough so that this is, I mean, this is what I've understood. I could be totally wrong. I'm pretty sure this is how it is. You need to be close enough. So hopefully your apartment's at least within like a half an hour commute, but close enough to where you could come within a half an hour. And so, but you don't have to be there. And for the most part, you're never needed. And so it's like just a princess track. If there ever was a princess track. I mean, obviously you still have to show up and you have to to do the whole show twice a week but you get a rest and then you're like totally recouped for the next time you need to do it. It's a uh, dream role. Dream role is Christine alternate and Phantom. <laughs> so like essentially you could just like be like, you could just like go to other Broadway shows like during this, during the time that the show was happening and just be like, I'll be back. So so, yeah. Like yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Anyways. Yes. I would love to play that part. <laughs> 
Yes, I would love to see you as that part because I was just in like enthralled with those videos last night. I was like, is Thank are there you. more? Because I found two. Yeah. So I was like, are there more? <laughs> is there like a whole show that I can watch online? I don't think so, but you never know what people. Hey, you this. never know. So when did you move to New York, and why did you move to New York? What brought you to New York? Um, I moved in. January officially I moved January 2014 but I had done my showcase the year like the April before so April 2013 I did my showcase I got my agent but I had already um signed my contract to do Tuacon which is a regional theater in southern Utah a really beautiful outdoor amphitheater it's it's really awesome um and it's hard because when you it happens all the time with BYU people because they're either married or they're not sure if they want to move to New York and so our professors really try to gauge whether or not these people are serious because they don't want to waste the time taking you to New York, having you audition for agents if you're not gonna, if you're not serious about it. Yeah. So a lot of times, I mean, that's one separate thing, but then a lot of times, you know, we all go to New York, but maybe we're coming back because we have to move out of our apartment or we have to work during the summer to make some more money to come back. And so when I auditioned or when I did my showcase, I had a couple, agencies interested and and I said you know I'm doing this to this to contract um is that a problem and I think three of them were like oh just let us know when you're back in the city which is the most common phrase you will hear when you're auditioning for agents let us know when you're back in the city so one of them said that's okay come meet with us tomorrow and I went I met with them and they were so awesome and a lot of people talk about like the dreaded singing acapella from your book for the agent in their office and I did not have to do that which was very nice and I'm as I left I was walking and they called and they were like we want to sign you so we will send you some auditions while you're in Tuacon, at Tuacon and we wow. will you know really pound the payment when you get back and it was such a blessing because I'm still with them to this day you know it's going on like seven years that I've been with my agency oh my um so it was quick uh, yeah, it was quick. It was, I mean, it's been after the showcase. I mean, you've had a journey, but it was quick after the showcase. After the showcase, it was quick. So then I went straight to um, Utah and I did this. It's a long contract because you do three shows and, you know, it's like every other night is a different show. So I did that and that was a fun summer. We did Mary Poppins, Thoroughly Modern Millie, and Starlight Express, which was so fun and I played like the female lead in Starlight Express and I had done Xanadu so I kind of knew how to roller skate this was a whole different ball game because we had ramps and we had we had to do jumps and like I had to do a whole dance solo in roller skates which like consisted of a bottoma and spins and I dropped down with splits and I had to spin around like it was I don't know how I freaking did that my knees are still to this day showing <laughs> why doing starlight express because i if your knee pad falls off a lot of times you do knee knee breaking is that what it's called when you stop with your knee because you put your knee down and you slide to a stop and time after time my knee pad would just fall down and i'm just knee breaking on my naked knee it was the worst worst pain ever anyway oh my god so i did that so then like the last two months a year i spent at home in Utah. And then I officially moved January, 2014. And that was, I mean, it was showcase. It was knowing that I had an agent and that I had prospects. And so my sister and I actually moved, she had finished, she works for UNICEF. She had finished 
a job working for the World Food Program in Honduras. And so it just happened to match up that we moved together and we got a place and it was awesome. Oh my gosh, I love that she works for UNICEF. Oh, she's an angel of a human being and is better than all other humans. <laughs> That's amazing. You, I mean, I've kept up with them for a bunch of years for a long time because I think Disney I used to be like a Disney child and Disney used to do like all these like team up projects with the UNICEF so that's so cool yeah. yes. so you got sideshow I think pretty soon after you moved to New York yeah. and you were cast as not only a swing but you were understudying two roles in the show from what I saw yeah I mean how did you get that audition and did you know going in that you were gonna have like all that responsibility if you got cast in the show? Um, so initially, it was probably February. It was right after I moved to the city. I think it was February that I went in initially. My agent got me the audition. And I think uh, there have been a couple of times now in my career that I think I initially got the audition because I looked a lot like something they wanted like I kind of was a pretty good in between of Emily Padgett and Aaron Davey and so they had they they had done La Jolla and so they were doing Kennedy Center and they just needed to replace the female swing but to my understanding I wasn't really covering the other females I was just covering Daisy and Violet so at that time I was like the understudy for Daisy Violet and I didn't really think much of it. I had been going in for a lot of different things and I had heard these songs before. And so the audition, yes, it was nerve wracking. And, and the casting director was really cool about kind of coaching me. You know, I had my initial audition with her and she, after she like gave me a bunch of tips and like kind of coached me through some stuff, preparing me for the team. Yeah. And so that was helpful because that doesn't always happen. Um, I, I don't think I really understood the severity or the importance of it until I got to DC after I had booked it. We didn't know yet if it was for sure going to Broadway. And I mean, like the first rehearsal, they were like, okay. And they still didn't know whether or not I was gonna try to do both roles or if I was gonna do one role one day and the other role the other day, because I was the only female swing. Oh my goodness. So it was uh, an interesting process learning how best to do both sides of Siamese twins. Um, yeah. But I learned quickly. And again, I, I, I attribute it to my doing hard roles while I was in college, or, you know, those community theater shows that I was kind of like, okay, this is, this is my time now, you know, I've, I've worked for this and, and I am, I have the ability to do something hard like this. And so it was hard, but it was really fulfilling. And and I was really focused at the time because I was, you know, very fresh, very new, and I didn't really know anyone in the cast. And so I was able to go on for Violet, which was one of the coolest, like the most exciting theatrical experiences to date. My family was there and they, the Kennedy Center gave them, they had already seen the afternoon show, knowing that I wasn't in it. You know, we all just went and saw it together. And then when I got the call that I was going on, they... I don't know who set it up, but somehow my entire family got tickets and they were like amazing tickets. They didn't have to pay for them. It was amazing. And never happens on Broadway. Oh my but, goodness. Yeah. Even like, even like house seats, they cost money. Like even if you can get someone house seats, they still cost. I, like as a lead in Kinky Boots, I was given like four free tickets. 
it's they are stingy yeah. but no it was really awesome it's a great show and then I was really lucky enough to it was it was the process of going to Broadway was very stressful because I had gotten the call from my fellow swing he was the male swing that he was not being asked to do Broadway and I was like oh my gosh I'm just waiting for the call so then I got the call that I had to re-audition to make sure I could swing the ensembles because I hadn't done anything for the ensemble at all. I only did Daisy Violet. So I was like, okay, okay, I can do this. And so I was, I was like really researching all, you know, doing everything I could to learn the ensemble parts and make sure I would be off book and I would be memorized and whatever. And then like a week later, I remember exactly where I was. I was like in Inwood walking down the street. My agent was like, where are you right now? And I was like, um, just walking in my house. And he was like, well, they, uh, they think it's silly to bring you in for the ensemble because they know you can do it. So you wanna, you wanna be on Broadway? And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Yes. But it was just like, they realized that it would just be a waste of their day because I, I mean, if I can do Violet, if I can do Daisy and Violet, which they had seen me do, it was like, of course I can do the ensemble parts, which the main thing was they were gonna have me sing it. And I was like, you know my yeah. voice, that's so silly. So then, um, then they brought in another standby, which was Megan McGinnis, who's like a very, very dear friend of mine today, to this day. And we got really close and the other swings they brought on were awesome. And it was an incredible experience. So you basically just got like thrown in to Broadway in like the most exciting way possible, but like also the most stressful way possible yes. because you're covering, how many tracks did you have to cover? It, it wasn't as bad as some dance shows, but it was, I think there were five women in addition to Daisy and Violet who are the entire show. So it was a lot of, a lot of stuff in my head <laughs> and a lot of sheets where I wrote down exactly what they wore, what, where they entered, where they exited. I had like a little thing and I would do arrows to like the blocking movements and like where they went on what line. I was very, very detailed, probably more than I needed to be. And not only are you do, learning the blocking from like, for like on stage, but you're also learning it from off stage probably. Yeah, lots of tracking, lots of sitting. I, one of our stage managers was so sweet. He gave me this thing that I think I still have. It's a little like elastic light that you put on your hand so that when you're writing, it like shines on and it's for like when you're backstage and you're taking notes and you're tracking a different character and you can see it and it was very sweet. Wow. Yeah, I learned, I learned a lot. Yeah, you learned a lot. What was your Broadway debut like? Um, it was, so I, I was the tattooed lady was the character that I played. And that was exciting because I, um, it, the whole costume is like, it's like a bra and it's like some like leather shorts, but you're tattooed everywhere. And it's like tights essentially that they have hand drawn okay. all over. And so it goes down to your wrist and down to your ankles. Yeah. And then your chest is left covered because you put um, adhesive like tattoos, you know, yeah. press on tattoos all up your neck down to your chest. Um, but it was funny, like to tell my parents like, well, I'm going to be wearing a brown underwear on my Broadway debut. So <laughs> they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was really fun. It was pretty, I mean, it was, it was a fun track. There were like some, you know, feature solo lines, but for the most part, it was just making sure I was standing in the right place at the right time. 
but it was thrilling. It was very thrilling and very exciting. I'm interested when you're playing the Siamese twins in the show, how does that work? Because you're like pretty much together, you're together the whole show. So like you depend on whoever's opposite you that day. How, like what are, what's the challenges with that? Oh gosh. Well, the way we were connected was just a really strong magnet. And so you, you could easily come apart. And so you have to really be in sync with their movements. And you have, I mean, if you get one step wrong in the choreography, you're going to come apart. <laughs> and so literally come apart and probably mentally. Um, I, you just have to be in tune. You have to like really read the other person and, and know your stuff, know the material and know the steps and hopefully, and there's a lot of times where we're linking arms, you know, most of the time when you're walking and stuff, you're, we're just linked arms to help out with that. And it is also weird because you can't really, it's hard to even put yourself in this situation because there are so few people that have ever been literally physically connected to someone. So that was a struggle. That was kind of a hurdle to try to get past, just try to understand what life would have been like. Yeah. That so is it like, if one person goes down, like both of y'all are going down type thing. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. totally. <laughs> you're like, if I go down, <laughs> you're coming down with me. Yes. So I'm sure there's like times on stage where like the people playing them, where the people playing Daisy Violet are like, like they like, like someone stumbles and the other person just like- I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't think there were any dramatic missteps in our production, but I'm sure it's happened. There've been so many regional productions of the show. It's, I, I now I'm gonna go Google. Sideshow <laughs> like, fails. Yes. And speaking, <laughs> speaking of, I mean, how popular Sideshow was, I mean, I feel like people want Sideshow revived and I constantly see people like, they're like, what show do you want revived on Broadway? And they're like, Sideshow. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people like love the idea? I mean, I guess two females being the stars of the show, like that's pretty iconic. Yeah, totally. I think that it was a cult. It had a huge cult following, the original production. And it's an interesting, it's like a show for misfits, for people that don't feel like they belong, which are a lot of us. So it, and and people, it's, it's kind of beautiful too for like people with disabilities and, and just people with any kind of ailment. It's a really important story to be told and to see. I think it's unfortunate that our revival didn't last longer. I think it was, there are many issues that I think stemmed from that, but I think it's, it's mainly the cult following that, you know, yeah. back in the day, it was a huge hit. And so these like, these like older gays are like, oh my gosh, when are we gonna see Sideshow again? And then it came back and I think it, <clears throat> it was maybe different than people had expected or most importantly, tourists are not, <laughs> they're not gonna go see a show about Siamese twins. And especially I think the way they marketed it, they tried to do it like this glamor, like movie stars, like the two girls. And you can't really tell even that they're connected. It's just like two pretty ladies. And it's like, sure, I'll go see that show. But if they had marketed like, the the sideshow freaks like the characters because they were so the costumes and the masks and the everything were so beautiful and so expensive to my knowledge and 
So I don't know, but it is a pretty special show. I do miss it. And I think it is, it's so well-written and it's just a great show. Something tells me that it would, pro- that it would do very well if it came back, like in the next like two or three years on Broadway. Yeah. Just because, I mean, I feel like with Wicked, it's kind of like similar where there's two female stars. Totally. People, are, people love that, seeing two female strong characters and powerhouses yeah. on stage together acting opposite each other. Totally. It's, it's inspiring, yeah. Yeah, it's the best. So after Sideshow, you were, you were in uh, Kinky Boots on Broadway. Did yeah. you ever think after Sideshow, were you like, okay, this is the peak, like, I've made it. I I went to Broadway. Anything else that's thrown my way, like that's fine. Did you ever think that you were gonna get a second Broadway show after that? I mean, yeah. I think I had high expectations, you know, from my upbringing, from my college experience. It taught me that you know I can do hard things and that I have a high bar set for myself. And so while getting my first Broadway show was stupendous and such a surprise and amazing I was like right when's the next one you know yes so I I actually in between the two I did the national tour of beautiful so I it was it was really nice because I it was the last week of shows for sideshow we were with we shows closing and it was the last week that I got the official offer for the tour which was awesome and it was the first national so it was yeah. Well, it felt a little fancier because, you know, we worked with the full Broadway team and we rehearsed at New 42 and we had a lot of like get togethers with the Broadway cast. And so, you know, I, I felt very fortunate to, to go straight to that. And to be able to experience a national tour is something that I hope everybody gets the chance to do because it is really special. And we were lucky enough to be a production tour, which means you're getting the same pay as a Broadway show but you get per diem because you're living not at home yeah. and you get to see the country and play on stage while you're like vacationing. <laughs> yes, it's hard and there are hard aspects to it and rehearsals are hard and travel days are not always fun, but it was an incredible experience to travel. And especially with such a great show, you know, yeah, it's, um, it's so good, but uh, I left. It is interesting because there, there are aspects or there are times when confidence can be, if you're too confident, it can be your downfall. Because I left the tour thinking, you know, there are bigger, better things for me. And I feel that, and I need to get back to the city because I really feel that I need to do something else. And I moved back um, December, maybe October, I can't remember, of 2016. And I was just in the city, like pounding the pavement and nothing was happening for months and months. And then I got the audition for Kinky Boots in June, I think. And so it was, I mean, a good six months of hanging out. Yeah. I think I did, was it between? No, it was, it was between Sideshow and Beautiful that I did a, a production of Les Mis in Pennsylvania, which was really fun. I played Cosette. I was- saw that. Yeah, I saw that on your resume. Yeah, but no, Kinky Boots came, you know what? And I do believe in like fate and, and you know, there's a plan set out for us. And so I, I think that, you know, there were lessons I learned in that six months and there were 
hurdles I had to get over and, and, you know, people I had to meet and, and whatever to get to where I then ended up. And so, and that, that audition process was rough because I auditioned for it, right. And I, I, when I got the audition, I had initially gone in for Nicola for the tour, which isn't the other role. Yeah. Cause I saw myself as that. I always saw myself as like the more mature, like kind of bitchy, like mean girl. And so that's what I thought my test played. And so um, I never got a call back for Nicola. And so I kind of had just like pushed Kinky Boots to the side. One of my best friends happened to be in the Broadway production as an assistant dance captain. And so when I got the audition, I was like, oh my gosh, this is weird. Can you help me? And so he was very helpful and pivotal in my then booking it. But I just didn't see myself as a Lauren. But then the more I worked on the material, I was like, wait a minute, I am Lauren. <laughs> Just like she's quirky and weird and and awkward and you know kind of things that I really gelled with as I got to know her character. So I, I had gotten like three callbacks in, and then I didn't hear anything for weeks. And I was like, oh man. And I kept asking my agents, and they were like, I don't know. Yeah, I think it, I think it's not going to go your way this time, but that's okay. And so I had totally shut that door and moved on. And then apparently. Now I know that they had tried to book some like celebrities, you know, like some like bigger names to come in and they couldn't get anyone. So then they had me and one other girl come back in. And so when I got that call of like, oh, Jerry Mitchell wants to see you again, I was like, wait, what? It, it felt very much like a tug of war of like, wait a minute, my emotions though. And so I went in and I remember, I mean, it's so hard not to compare yourself to you know, and she was right there. She went in right before me and I was just like, okay, so she's going to get it because she's prettier and she, I can hear her. She sounds better than I do. And you know, <laughs> the list of things in your mind. So then I went in and tried to throw all that out and just focus on what I was doing. And I felt really good. And then I think it was the next day my agent called and, and asked me if I wanted to, you know, if I was interested in playing Lauren on Broadway. And I literally was like, yeah, I think he did another, where are you? I was like, but I'm in my bedroom. What's the point? <laughs> you want to play Lauren on, on Broadway? And I was like, no, 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 no. I just kept saying no. He was like, wait, yes, though? <laughs> and yeah. so that was, I mean, because that's the biggest thing I've done in terms of Broadway. You know, playing a principal in a Broadway show, his, it, I haven't, you know, done it since. So hopefully when things open back up, I'll have the opportunity again. But it was pretty yeah. freaking awesome. I will say and just the role is so fun and easy and her song is so fun and it was awesome do agents I've heard a lot of agent stories where they like call and they're like teasing for a while yes and then they like wait like 10 minutes and they're like okay you got this role like is is that just like a normal thing that you get used to that you're just like can you please just tell me what the news is I think it is very normal like you'll you will always hear stories like that for the most part though if if you didn't get it they're not they're not going to toy with you so yeah. when they start teasing you it's kind of that like you feel the bubble like the it's like it's like boiling in your stomach and you're like oh my gosh wait 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 but so i get why they do it because it does add drama and intensity to the news that will come but it is frustrating sometimes so when you're going in to play a role that had i mean that's been done by several other people how do you go in in rehearsal process, make your make the character your own. That's a really good question. Um, when I was preparing for the audition, I mean, I watched 
million YouTube videos of every possible person that has ever sung History of Wrong Guys. And I tried to, it's kind of this, uh, just this happy medium of like what you know they're gonna wanna see and then bringing your own thing to it to make you unique and to hopefully get you the job. And so I kind of stuck to what I did in the audition, which I, I am known at dances to like give a stank face and twerk in a like, like not sexual way, just in like a very like, you know, if I like ask anyone that's ever been to any sort of club or dance or anything with me, it's so, like yes. always. And so that was something that was very easy to channel. And so that's what I kind of brought to her is this like awkward, um, thinks she's really good and thinks she's really like, you know, when she's alone in her bedroom, she like thinks she's really good at it, but she's not. And so, cause the whole, all of history of wrong guys is, you know, she's talking to herself about this yeah. guy. She's not supposed to love. Why does she like him? And she's mad at herself. So it was just really fun. Like just honestly going like, how would I, how would I interpret this song as myself? Because I really just started to learn how similar I was to her. And so that's really easy. And it was very lucky for me to do that because I think there are a lot of roles that I wouldn't be able to like with Phantom. I'm not gonna be like, oh, how am I gonna sing this song about my dead father that uh, I can't see and now I'm kidnapped by this creepy man, you know? Dude, that's not realistic. I really relate. So yeah. um, no, it was fun. It was fun bringing my own thing to it, but also paying homage to the things that, yes, are choreographed that I have to do that. Like I was obsessed that Haven Burton did, or that obviously Annalie Ashford did. And so I luckily had very wonderful, like things to model it off of with all of the women that did it for me. So I was very lucky. After watching like YouTube videos and videos of like, I'm sure people like you and Myron like look up to in theater performing in the show, is it hard to not just like go and do exactly what they did and to really like, to really go, okay, I'm, I'm unique. I'm going to make it original. I'm going to make it different. Yeah. I mean, you just have to trust your skills and your instincts and yourself yeah. and, and hope that it will be well received. So, and usually, I mean, a good director is always open to things and, and willing to work with you and, and see what you bring or else they wouldn't have cast you, you know? You bring something that is special and they wanted that, so give them that, you know? How did your Lauren change throughout when you were, like from the beginning to the end? I'm sure it changed and I'm sure you like came into your own and I'm sure you like, like did like more comedic stuff throughout you like got more confident and you're like okay I'm gonna try this today yeah it's absolutely the confidence that grows after doing the show over and over again it's like every every show you feel more settled and more confident so yeah. I think that probably I, I don't think I can tell you specific things that changed but I can tell you that there were probably things that I wouldn't have noticed because I was just gaining confidence and feeling more comfortable in my skin in the role so yeah. there were definitely things like on a very unprofessional note, the fact that, you know, one of my best friends was a swing and would come on as different roles all the time because people would call out. And then I just got so close with the entire cast. So like 
the tomfoolery that we would do on and off stage was so bad. Like I, and luckily it's a really silly show and my character is so silly. So like, if I were to do something weird, you know, in the background, it wouldn't be like, what is that girl doing? It's more like, oh, it's Lauren being Lauren. So we just had so much fun. Oh, I love that show. I miss it. it. It was like just the most fun I think I've had. I mean, on stage. I mean, and that show lasted for a while. And it sounds like the reason it lasted was because the cast was so close. Because when the cast of a show is so close, like you see it as an audience member. Yeah. And it, oh gosh, how long did it last? It won the Tony in 2013 and then it closed. 2013 to 2018? I think it was six years. Five years? Anyways, um, a lot of the original cast was still in it at the end. So that also shows not only the cast, which of course they were really close, but also the work environment and, yeah. and the, the director and the producer, like Daryl Roth is the most wonderful, beautiful human being. And she's the producer on a bunch of shows. And she would come and she would just be like standing off, like literally in the wing, just watching every now and then. And we're like, hi, Daryl. <laughs> she's just, and that's also something producers typically do. She was just really a part of the company and it was really special. It was just like beaming, like watching everyone on stage and watching her show like come together. She's like, this is good. This is good. My money is well spent. (laughs) Yes, they're doing so good. So I want to talk about Beautiful because it's one of my favorite shows. I mean, the story, I didn't know. I knew Carol King music before I saw the show, but I didn't know much about Carol King's life and about like actually who Carol King was. So like getting to see that whole story is so cool. What is it like, what's the research process like when you're telling a story, when you're telling an autobiography of someone? Because you were also, you were understanding Cynthia. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because it also is, we're not just telling her story, we're telling her like difficult story. Yeah. And it, it showcases moments in her life that she's not necessarily proud of and she's not excited to revisit. And so I know that when they first opened the Broadway company, she didn't come for a long time. She signed off on it, said you can do it, but she didn't want to see it. And so then when she did eventually come, it was like even more important and more impactful because they knew that it was hard for her. And so we, it is interesting. It was the first time that I had done a jukebox musical, maybe at all, but definitely the first time where like the person is alive today and, and this is her story and we have to tell it with integrity and we have to tell it with somberness and and we just have to be really respectful about the whole thing and it was hard because I mean on the tour I played Marilyn Wald and she was one of the women that Jerry had an affair with and so that was kind of a hard role to step into every night to to be one of the driving forces of her then divorce you know and So it's interesting because you really do, you have to take it seriously and you have to, obviously we had so much fun and we were silly and, and the show is very fun, but it, it, it is, you just have to be, you have to be respectful of the real life story that you're telling, a real human being story. And she did come when we were in Boston, she surprised us and she came and, and met us backstage and she was so sweet. And she said, she had said like, gosh, I, I think I remember the quote. I think she said, you've really done, you've done me justice. You've, you've done me proud or something. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay, cool. So I can go cry now. Um, 
but yeah, it was really awesome. Cause then I, so I did the tour for a year and a half and then I was able to come in and, and close out the show on Broadway Yeah, as the same part, but understanding Cynthia was fun too, because yes, she existed and she was like a really quirky, like dry, funny person. And so I, it, it was, I told you sometimes there's challenging roles and for me, I am, I, I do find myself as a very strong, you know, confident woman, which she was, but she, she was like very serious. There were a lot of times she's very serious and, and dry and she's witty. And so I, I those are things I kind of had to, to learn to embody when I would play the role or, you know, in understudy rehearsal, whatever. Um, but it was really fun. I mean, it is fun. It's like an extra added little challenge to play a living human being. Well, I was going to say, because I asked earlier, how do you make character, like, how did you make Lauren your own? Is it harder to come in and make a character your own who's actually like a real life human being? It's because you can't, you can make it your own, but like, you literally can't because it, yeah. it is that person. They are them and you need to be them. And so it actually, a great example is of this is seeing the different people that played Carol because, you know, Jesse Mueller was obviously amazing. But like, you don't look at her and say, oh, that's Carol King. She did, I mean, yes, she had, she kind of looks like her and her voice, she was able to kind of manipulate her voice in a way, but she's not, she's not Carol King. And and neither was Abby or neither, you know, but especially Julian Itell, who played it, she was an understudy on Broadway and then she played it on the tour for a while. She is like 6'1". She is super duper skinny. She like doesn't in any way, shape or form look like Carol King. But it was so beautiful watching her transform into her every night because she, if, if you have done your research and you have like really done the work to, to create a character that exists, it is magical to watch that happen, even when the person doesn't look like the person, you know? So it is added difficulty, but there is still people will know, obviously people know it's not Carol King. So you are allowed to take some liberties in terms of your portrayal of that person. And so I love watching that. I love watching people. And when they do it artfully and well, it's like, okay, I buy it. I'll pay for yeah. that. <laughs> Did Carol ever come and see it on Broadway while you were in it on Broadway? Because I know that she was pretty involved in the show over the years. I don't know how much she went to the show and watched yeah. it. I don't think she was there for closing. No, I think she was, I think she lives in like, where does she live now? Wyoming, Montana or something? Oh my goodness. Idaho, I think she lives in Idaho, um, like very rural. I don't think she came to closing, but she, yes, over the years she she was very involved. Like she would come often and, and she would just like sit in the back and then come say hi really quick. But she always wanted to be unseen by the yeah. audience. She would wear wigs or she would like wear sunglasses because she did not want to be traceable by the audience, yeah. which I understand. Didn't want to distract because a lot of super fans did come to watch the show and to see her story told. Yeah. Well, I, I remember I was at the opening night for Tina, obviously, because Charlie was in it and Tina Turner was there and it was like, no, nobody's watching the show. We're just watching Tina and seeing yeah. how she yeah. reacts to things. This is her story. So I don't know. She, it was cool to meet her though, to meet Carol King. So if you could create a jukebox musical out of any singer's life who hasn't like 
what who what singer would it be do you have a favorite singer that you would like love to hear their story and see their story on stage oh my gosh okay I've actually thought of, I mean I don't know how it hasn't been done yet but Ella Fitzgerald is my favorite female vocalist and I don't know I haven't honestly I haven't researched her life story all that much I just listen to her music constantly and I think her voice is the most special voice that's ever come out of a human being on this earth um but I would love to see her biopic like see her musical I think that how, is what we do how has that not been done I don't know that's crazy bring in a guy to play Louis Armstrong and like have a Christmas section, you know, like go throughout years and then have a Christmas section because she is the queen of Christmas music. I don't know. And I'm sure she had trials and she dealt with things that would be very impactful and, and moving. I don't know. Jeez. Now I'm going to Google why that hasn't happened or who's currently working on it. Cause I'm sure somebody is. Yeah. Or someone will start working on it after they see this and you'll be like, um, hello. Copyright. I need money. Thank you. <laughs> Cast me in the show. <laughs> somewhere. I'll, I'll be her dresser or something. <laughs> I'll, I'll be in the show with something. I don't know. <laughs> You're like, just put me like behind the scenes or something. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> be a stage manager. Please. The like, the like person in the back of, of uh, in Greatest Showman when like it like zooms into the daughter in the back. The yes. Daughter and she's like. <laughs> all I need. It's all I need. I'll take that. Yes. If you could be in, if you could do any of the roles you've done on Broadway again, which role would it be and why? Lauren. I mean, I don't have like a huge, vast, like group of shows to choose from, but it would be Lauren. I would do that in a, I would do that tomorrow. Yeah. I would jump back into that tomorrow. It was just so fun. And do you have a dream role that you haven't tackled yet that you would want to play on Broadway? Um, you know, I have been asked this question a lot and I never really answer, but I've been thinking about it more and there probably is going to be a bombshell musical sometime soon. I would love to be in that show. Um, if it's going to be Megan Hilty, which I'm not opposed to, like, I will happily cover her. <laughs> Let's manifest it. Let's manifest, manifest it. it. I literally have been text, like I emailed my agents a couple months ago and I was like, so I heard this is happening and I just want to make sure you know that I am uh, really interested. Um, but also I've been in for it so many times that it kind of has become just this like nagging thing. But I probably have been in for Glenda like 15 times and I would love to do that. And there's all, there's this like hierarchy. It's like, you have to have been in the ensemble to then become the standby to then play Glinda. And I would really like to bypass those first two steps and just play it. Um, so we'll see if that could happen sometime. That'd be awesome as well. Uh, see, I was going to be like, at the Wicked casting people, how have you not been Glinda yet? Because I was like, when I was watching even the Phantom videos, I was like, she hasn't been Glinda. How, how is that possible? Well, let's hope that that changes soon. Also, you know, I my friend texted me there. She was like, I think they're doing a Tangled musical and I really want you to play Rapunzel, which would be very fun. I don't know if I'm just a little bit on the too old side, but I will put as much makeup as you want me to put on. That would be very fun. 
Tangled is the best. Yes. yes. It's probably one of my favorite Disney movies. So that'd be fun. Yes. I went to Hades Town and Zachary was there in the audience when I went to Hades Town and I was like, Hi. Hi. Hi, Hi Flutter. Oh my gosh. It's like, I want to watch the show, but also Hi Flutter. Can I watch you? <laughs> so I'm like watching him watch the show. <laughs> yes, of course. Great. So, what's a what's like a fun fact about you that people wouldn't know? Um, oh geez. No pressure, no pressure. I know. I I had to do this for my Broadway Plus profile and I like wrote it as a funny thing. Like I was like, "Oh, I used to I for a long time I wanted to be a country music star." And like I thought that would be funny, but then the way they wrote it, it's like very serious. Like she had dreams of being a country music star. I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> So let me think of something funnier because that can be taken too seriously. Um, I do have an obsession with ranch dressing and like in a way that I will only, like I'm not, you like do not give me Hidden Valley. I will literally throw it in the trash can because I think it is an abomination to this world. But if you make me a homemade ranch dressing at diner, Ooh. I will drink it out of the little saucer it comes in. <laughs> I just love ranch dressing so much. And it's a problem because it's not good for you, but I'm also just very picky about it. Like it has to be homemade, just tangy enough, just like, it can't be too thick. It's gotta be kind of watery and sour and delicious. Like just perfect, just yep. perfect. No pressure to anyone who's making ranch dressing for any parties that- Yep, just know that uh, I won't eat it if it's not good. And I will make sure everybody knows that it's not good. <laughs> If it's not like perfect texture wise and everything and taste wise, yes. nope, forget it. Trash can. Mm -hmm. So you've had a journey in this industry. How do you continue working? You've kind of covered this, but how do you continue working on self-confidence over the years? Jeez. Um, have people around you that are really wonderful and help, help you stay, you know, confident and feeling good about yourself. Uh, my boyfriend, Charlie does that on the daily and I'm so grateful yeah. for him because of that. Um, and if you don't, then it, I mean, I, when we do coaching for like groups of kids, I get emotional when I talk about this. They're always like, what is the last little bit of advice you'd like to leave these kids? And I'm just like, as cheesy as it is, you like the thing you bring is you and you're the only you. And that's very important because when you're in an audition, it, it doesn't matter who else they're seeing. Like you are you, you're bringing you and someone's gonna want that. They're not gonna want you being somebody else or trying to be somebody else. I just think it's, it's so important to remember. It's, sometimes it's hard to remember that you're an individual and that you're important and that you matter. But if you keep in mind that you're literally the only you, like you are the only person that you are. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. And that kind of keeps me going, just knowing that there are certain things that I bring to this world that nobody else brings. And those things are important somewhere to someone. And that's enough, you know? Yes. And just being just being grateful for what you what, what I have. And, you know, all my blessings and, and with all of the stuff going on in the world right now, just being alive and being safe is 
really all that matters. So just remembering that, remembering that we're so blessed and yeah, it's really good to be here. Look at the positive. World. Yes. Yeah. Look at the positive. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that can bring you down, but. Totally. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned Broadway Plus and teaching. Mm-hmm. What have you been doing during this time? Do you have anything during this time that you like to promote? How did you get into Broadway Plus and teaching and where can people sign up yeah. to take lessons? Yeah, so Charlie and I kind of early on, we started our coaching business where we just, you know, you can contact us directly. We have like a separate email account and we teach coaching, we teach voice lessons, we teach, you know, monologue coaching, we teach whatever it is. Um, And so we've done quite a few things for schools and for groups of kids, which have been really awesome. We, that's kind of our best, what we do best is like a group coaching for like a a class. Cause then, you know, a kid will sing and we'll be able to coach them. And then all the other kids learn from that. And that, I mean, when I was growing up in theater, that was always the most helpful, but we also do private voice lessons. We have a couple students and with Broadway Plus, it's kind of been fun. The things I've done on Broadway Plus are so random. They're like, most of them have been Kinky Boots connected. And like one time I did a, a, a happy hour for a realty group, I think, where me and one of the guys that had played Lola, we just like sang a song from the show and then like did a Q&A. And it was very funny. That's so just, cool. All of the employees on Zoom listening to us sing. It's like kind of funny. Party. Yeah, but it's been fun. It's really nice that they've created these outlets for actors to kind of continue doing artistic things. And so that's been really nice to just stay connected in that way, you know? Yes, and I think it brings it brings Broadway to a wider variety of people who maybe can't go to New York and see, haven't been to New York yet, can't yeah. afford it right now, can't like, are looking forward to it in the future yes. in like five years. Like yeah. It brings Broadway to their home and to their yeah. computer and it's so cool for them. It's awesome. Yeah, we, like most of our stuff is through like Instagram too. So we just, you know, people just direct message us and we go from there, unless it's Broadway Plus, but no, it's been really nice and fun to connect with people in in this virtual kind of weird way, but it's still important and it still makes a difference on your well-being, you know? Yes. And it, I mean, I'm sure it inspires you and like keeps you going during this Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Absolutely. To to, like hear people like to get to impact people's lives and people's journeys over. Totally. And I mean, you get to watch people like probably book auditions too. Yeah. It's awesome. That's amazing. So where can people find you on social media? Before I get to my last question, where can people find you on social media and find you on Broadway plus and wherever yeah. you teach? Um, on Broadway Plus, you just search my name, Delaney Westfall. And then on um, Instagram, I'm just at Delaney Westfall. Easy peasy. Um, yeah, and, and Instagram is usually the best way. Just direct messages or, you know, I think my email is connected to that too. So, Perfect. Well, yeah. I'll put the links and stuff in the description. Awesome. And my last question is a little more complex than I originally intended it to be. But what are you most looking forward to when Life Theater returns? gosh just being surrounded by theater again just walking down ninth avenue and looking right at 42nd and 44th and 46th and seeing 
I'm literally getting chills and I'm going to cry. Just like seeing theater again, just like being, being enveloped in it again and sitting in a theater as much as I'm excited to perform again. Wow. I, I, um, my friend Christina and I, we, her husband's and Tina as well. We bought tickets to the first show back and I cannot wait just to sit in a theater and have the lights go down and like hear an orchestra. Yeah. I haven't been asked this question and I haven't really thought about it. So this is kind of hitting me. Um, yeah, like just not, not like saying my livelihood. I can't wait for my livelihood to be back. Not necessarily for me, but just for this, this uh, creative outlet that we all run on you know like it is my battery and I haven't had it in a long time and so I'm really excited to experience the joy that I get from being surrounded by theater again yes and I mean the lights are gonna like all the lights and everything it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be all magical again yeah and like I mean Broadway is the heart of New York City when I think of New York City is so truly, truly. I like I don't know it's probably been fine without Broadway, but like, I don't think it's like, I I don't think it's like the same New York City without Broadway. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah not as magical. No. no. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me on my show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for watching this episode of Backstage with Becca B. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. Or for more exclusive content from this interview and more, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Backstage with Becca B. Make sure to subscribe to my channel and like this video, or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star rating. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye!